0: Okay, I'll go ahead and try to get started here. We'll probably have a few more wandering in. I doubt it. Did Ron and Betty go up for Scott's? Yeah, so I didn't figure we'd see Ron this morning. And I didn't know whether anybody else went up to to the funeral up there. But I knew it was yesterday, so I figured Ron and Betty would go. Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we do come to you now, and just thank you that... uh, you have made us your children. We've born we're born into your family by way of the new birth, and Lord, just the hope that that gives us, Lord. We live in a world that's in turmoil, and Lord, a world that's spiraling downward. But, Lord, I thank you that this is no longer our home. We reside here for the moment, but Lord, our future is with you. And Lord, we thank you. That our salvation isn't just about the future. It's about your provisions for a victorious life even now. And Lord, we thank you for the principles we've learned in in recent weeks. And Lord, we just look to you to continue to teach us this day as we move forward through the book. First, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're in the final chapter of the book. I'm hoping to get through it today because we're going to have like a, what a i guess it's like a four-week break uh then next week we have the uh bible conference and i would encourage everybody to come out for it jay's a personal friend and he's a really good speaker and very knowledgeable in the area of apologetics and i think he'll have a lot to offer uh so he, uh, we'll be having th- that session next week in lieu of uh this and then uh The following two Sundays, I'll be out of town. Um, The last Sunday of this month, we'll have prayer uh, here. And then the first uh, Sunday of next month, Mike Bonner's uh, just going to... Uh, do something that, uh, that day. Uh, and then, uh, like I say, if we finish this chapter today, uh, the second, uh, Sunday in November, we'll start in with the bigger book and, uh, get into the next section. Uh, we do have the books, uh, we ordered 20 of them, uh, and so we'll have, have some, uh, for that day. Okay, we're in chapter 18, Continuance, and it opens with this statement. When we first start out hungry and zealous for him, it's often imagined that extensive progress has been made when as yet we have barely begun. And I think that's a very true statement. Uh, I've seen it in a lot of testimonies over the years. Somebody who just got, got saved, you know, and they stand up and man, they, they talk like man, so much progress has, has been made and they don't have a clue just how they've just barely begun the Christian journey. Uh, and some of that's because oftentimes salvation is seen as basically an end in itself you know uh, we've now gotten the ticket to go to heaven uh, you know basically we've arrived rather than seeing that salvation is just the beginning of a journey of getting to know the Lord and really uh, beginning to uh, learn how to learn what we have in our salvation and how to appropriate what we have in our salvation. And so it's only the beginning. Um, uh, but oftentimes, again, a, new, a newly saved individual really has this idea, you know, they're hungry, they're zealous for the Lord, but they don't grasp just how little they've really learned in the process. But he says, as the Lord takes us along through the years, it slowly dawns on us. There are vast, almost infinite areas of development through which he must uh, uh, still lead us. And I think I put on there take us, but. My typing sometimes, I can't, I, I never learned to type where I keep my eye on the page and just type, I have to keep looking down and try to remember the words that I'm supposed to be typing and so sometimes things get changed a little, <laughs> the meaning is still there. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, you know, I, I can look back on my life and I suspect a lot of you in this room can, uh you know, I don't know how old all of you are in the Lord, but I know the vast majority of the ones that I know of are, have been, known the Lord for a good many years. And, you know, through those years, I think you've, you've come to see there are huge areas of development that re, re, uh, remain. But this next paragraph, I think is, is, uh, significant. It starts out, it says, many of these developmental areas are just plain desert, you know we want to think about the Christian life as always being upbeat and and exciting and uh, full of blessings and and things but but he says a lot of our development is is in areas that are just plain desert. And uh, those of us who have known the Lord for a number of years can probably look back on our lives and, and see what he goes on to say uh, has at times been true in our lives. He says, you know, there's those times of no spiritual activity, no service, little or no fellowship with him or others. What prayer there is has to be forced and then sometimes dropped altogether for months at a time. Bible study uh, finally grinds to a halt. Everything seems to add up to nothing. But he says, it's during these necessary times that the believer often feels that God has ceased to carry out his part and there is little or no use in seeking to continue on and yet there is a hunger deep within that will not allow him to quit he quotes from second 2 timothy 2:19 the foundation of god standeth sure having this seal the lord knoweth those who are uh knoweth them that are his And he asks this question, he says, Are we to love and trust him only when he seems to be blessing us? And that's a good question. You know, because he says, you know, if that's true, what kind of love is that? He says, it's a self-love. If I only love the Lord because of him doing good things for me, you know, and uh, and seemingly blessing me, then my love is a selfish love. It's because uh, he's doing for me. Rather than just loving him because he is my father, Loving me for what He has done for me. No matter what's happening in my life today. No matter what trials I might be going through today. God has made me His child. He has given me an eternity with Him. And, you know, I, I, you know, if He blesses me materially or physically, uh, here in time, that's great, but that should not be why I love him. And so he says, you know, our father strips everything away from time to time to give us the opportunity of loving and trusting and responding to him just because he's our father says so sometimes he'll peel everything away. All these false things that we've been clinging to, he'll peel them away so that what remains is him. And to give us that opportunity to love him, to trust him, to trust him not because he's doing everything we want, not to trust him because everything's going right, to trust Him because He is our Father and because through the pages of Scripture He has demonstrated that He is a trustworthy God. And He says, you know, He, that is God, knows what the cross is going to mean in our lives. The things that, that the cross is going to have to deal with. He knows the death march that lies ahead of us. You know, there's a dying to self that that we face. He says he knows the death march that lies ahead of us in order that there might be resurrection life so that we can really begin to experience the life of Christ, the resurrection life of him. You know, we talk about having eternal life and, and generally when people talk about eternal life, they think of it as a future thing. No, we have eternal life now. We have the very life of God at uh, at our disposal now. You know, it is in us now. And, you know, he wants us to be experience that. He says he knows the barren and bleeding hearts beyond to whom he must minister through us. He looks ahead. He knows what we're uh, the ones we're going to minister uh, to in the future, and he's going to take us through things that prepare uh, them for that. You know, Matt and Emily are uh, wanting to do member care. And Lord's taken them through a lot. You know, I've talked to different ones over the years. who I've talked to some students who said, you know, they'd like to do member care. I said, if you want to do member care, you better be ready to go through a lot. Because God's going to take you through a lot to prepare you to be able to minister to others. You aren't going to be able to come alongside them and help them if you haven't been through stuff. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we'd like to just be able to have this great ministry and not pay the price of what it takes to prepare us for that ministry. And so he says, you know, he knows the barren, bleeding hearts beyond whom he must minister through us. Hence, he is going to bring us to the place where we don't care what happens. He is all that matters. He wants us to come to the place where he is the important thing, not what he's doing for us. Not what's happening around us. Then he says sonship is something more than being born again you know in in the new testament at times we're referred to as children of god at times we're spoken of as sons and there's a difference sonship he says represents growth into fullness in fact you know we're we're told that uh you know we've been uh, Uh, predestined to the adoption of sons. And that is so often a misunderstood statement. Uh, We are children of God by birth, by the new birth. We take our position as sons by the adoption of sons. And the term adoption there has to do with being placed in the position of an adult son. And that's why it, it's seen as a future event for us. We look forward to our adoption as sons. We look forward to the place, uh, time when we will take our position in the household of God as His adult sons. With all the rights and privileges of that. Now, You know, he says, you know, it's quite a good thing to be a babe while babyhood lasts. But it's a bad thing to be a babe when that period is past. You know, nobody has problems with a a two-month-old acting like a two-month-old. You do have problems with a three-year-old acting like a two-month-old. Or, you know, a five-year-old acting like a one-year-old. You know, it's one thing when we were newborn uh, Christians, but God doesn't want us to remain that way. And yet he says this is the condition of many Christians. Many have not moved forward towards becoming adult sons. And he says, you know, while sonship is inherent in birth, you know, it is our potential there in birth. It goes along with our birth. In the New Testament sense, sonship is the realization of the possibilities of birth. It's us coming to to realize all that it means. And so he says, it is growth to maturity. And so the New Testament has a lot to say about growing up, about uh, uh, leaving childhood, attaining unto full, uh, full stature. And he says, with this growth comes a greater fullness of Christ and abundant wealth unto which we are saved. Now when he says with this growth comes a greater fullness of Christ, it's not that we get more of Christ, it's that more of Christ is formed in us. More of Christ is seen in us. You and I have been given the same spiritual provision. Every one of us. You know, God hasn't given me more of Christ than he's given you. But in our Christian development, there is more and more of Christ being formed in us, being seen in us, being evidenced uh, through us. Would, yeah. would that be us coming to more of an understanding of what is ours in Christ or and being able to lay hold of it realistically or you know experience Exper- in our lives? Yeah, it it has a lot to do with with us growing in our knowledge, uh, but not just knowledge, our faith You know, it's one thing to know what the Scripture says about who we are in Christ. It's another thing for us to believe what the Scriptures have uh, to say about us in Christ. Uh, It's another thing to appropriate those provisions. And of course, we've dealt with all those subjects earlier. Now, when we get into the next section, when we get the larger book, uh, we'll look a lot at position and condition. And... Condition dealing with our our day-to-day lives, our position, who we are in Christ. Our condition will never alter our position, but as we come to understand our position in Christ, who we are, what we have, it will begin to alter our condition. It will change our lives. Um, A lot of uh, Christians have it all backwards. They think it's all about their life producing something whereas who we are in christ is what produces the life of christ in us but so yeah our growth is in in knowledge and you know paul says i want to know him Mm -hmm. now this is paul he knew christ better than probably any of us will in this lifetime and yet he says i want to know him and then he talks about being conformed to the image you know, conformity comes as we come to know Christ. Uh, you know, I think uh, hopefully everybody in this room knows Christ as Savior, but there's a big difference between knowing Christ as Savior and really coming to know Him as your life and your source of everything. And that's what begins to change everything. Now, you know, he quotes from. Uh, 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 T. Austin Sparks here, and he says, and, and I think this is significant, it's a matter not so much of that from which we are saved as of that unto which we are saved. So many, when they think of salvation, they think of it from the standpoint of what they were saved from, but so many don't really grasp what they've been saved unto. And he quotes from Romans 8:19, "The grand climax of the new creation is the revealing of the sons of God. When we are shown forth to be the adult sons of God, when we take our place, that's what salvation is about. Yes, it it starts with freeing us from the realm of sin. But that's not the end of it. It opens the door for us to grow and grow and grow and grow in our knowledge and understanding of what it means to be in Christ. So that ultimately the day will come when we're in His presence and we'll be seen to be the sons of God. Now he says, you know, in the beginning, talking about in the beginning of our salvation, we are mainly taken up with the externals of our Christian life, and and the Lord allows that for the time. You know, what are the externals? You know, well, you know, we need to read the Bible, we need to pray, we need to go to church regularly. You know, we're all caught up in the externals, and I'm not saying those things are bad, but that's what our focus is on just these the do 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 you know i'm doing this i'm doing that i'm doing this i'm doing that and he said god allows that for a while but he says then to get us and the externals out of the way so the lord jesus can be our all our Father begins to take away much of what we thought we had. He begins the long cross-centered transition from do to be. And those two little words are, are significant words. Many, Christian li- uh, many Christians are caught up and view the Christian life on the basis of what they are to do. No, the Christian life is about who we are to be. And as I become who I am meant to be in Christ, the doing will follow. But the doing won't produce the being. You know, you, man, you can, you can put flippers on a chicken and throw them in the water and it won't make him a duck. But a duck can swim. A duck's not a duck because he swims. It's not the doing that makes him a duck. It's the being that makes him a duck. And it results in what he does. You know, as we become more and more Christ-like, certain things are going to flow from our lives. But we gotta be careful that we don't get things backwards. When we were in Ireland one one time, I, you know, I was teaching, I had Jonelle come in dressed up like a tree. You know, she, you know, had a brown outfit on and had leaves, uh, all on her, you know, and so she comes walking in, I said, what are you doing? She says, I'm becoming a tree. You know, you can do all that, but it won't make her a tree. Yes, a tree may have leaves, but putting leaves on you won't become a, make you become a tree. A tree may have a brown trunk, but um, having a brown trunk ain't going to make you a tree. You can add hang fruit on you, it'll make you look fruity, but it won't make you a tree. And yet, that's the approach a lot of uh, Christians take the, uh, with regards to the Christian life. They read what the Christian life is meant to look like as Christ is produced in us. And they think, if I can just put on these uh, outward appearances, then I will be a mature Christian. And I've said it before, that's why we get accused of hypocrisy. Because the world can spot whether it's real or fake. And, uh, You know, so so many are taking that backwards approach that if I do the right thing, I'll ultimately become it. No, we become the right thing by having our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, coming to know and understand who we are and and what we have in Him. It is the Holy Spirit then that is taking those things and making them real in our lives. He says... All this paradoxical pro- uh, progress, the way up being down, has a strong tendency to make us feel that the Lord is not taking us on. This is simply a weapon of the enemy, easily parried by letting God be God in the scriptural knowledge that he is our Father. <clears throat> so he, here again he talks about the w- way up being down. That yeah, maybe so, <clears throat> that oftentimes you know there's that downward journey in our Christian life as God takes us from self dependence to bring us to a place of of being dependent on on Christ and and you know that downward growth is painful, that downward growth. And if we don't understand what God's doing, become discouraging. And we can feel like we aren't getting anywhere. We can feel like that in our own lives. Uh, we also, if we're ministering to others, can begin to think that about them. You know, uh, that, oh, they aren't, they aren't going anywhere in their Christian life when they may be making all sorts of progress in, in coming to see what they are apart from Christ. Sorry, my voice is kind of doing weird stuff. Now he says, It is true that God does take up those who are not worthy and permit them to speak his words for years before they fully understand their import. But he does not wish any of us to stop there. We may go on in that way for a while, but it's not. Uh, but it, it, it probably should be. Is it not true that from time to time, when he begin when he begins. In us, his work of formation through discipline and chastening, it growingly dawns on us how little, in fact, we knew the true meaning of what we've been saying and doing. And I shared that to an extent the other week. I said, you know, I've gone back and looked at notes that I uh, wrote, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And I think, I can't believe I was teaching that then because I didn't understand that then. And, you know, that's what he's saying. You know, God sometimes allows us the privilege of speaking truth that we don't understand. But he says he never wants it to remain that way. He says he intends that we should reach the place where we can speak With or without manifest gifts, because we are the thing we say. Certainly, spiritual gifts can and often does enable somebody to teach something before they really understand it. But he says, God's desire is that we develop in our Christian life to a point where it's no longer the gift that's... That's making it possible. It's that we are what we're saying. We understand it. It is real to us. And it has a greater impact in people's lives. He says, For in Christian experience, the spiritual things of God are less and less outward. That is of gift. And more and more inward of life, he says, in the long run, it is the depth and inwardness of the work that counts since god 's not as concerned with the outward as he is with the inward it 's where, where it 's flowing from, and that 's what he 's working towards and It's not, oftentimes it's not a comfortable journey. We really have to understand that because a lot of times we feel like uh, the struggles and the failures in our Christian life just mean that, you know, either God's not doing uh, what He's supposed to do or we just aren't getting anywhere. We've come discouraged. You know, and at times we feel like, well, I must be out of fellowship. No, sometimes fellowship can be uncomfortable. I think that's important to understand. as sometimes fellowship with God is uncomfortable. Why? Because God is light. And if you're walking in fellowship with Him, that light is going to shine on you and in you. And it is going to reveal things that are not comfortable to you. See, we we tend to want to um, evaluate our Christian life on whether everything's going along and we're happy and and everything seems great. And there are those times in the Christian life, and there that's nice. But there are the hard times too. And to know that in it all, God has this goal of conforming you and me to the image of Christ. That's his goal. And he says, As the Lord himself becomes more and more to us, other things, yes, and this must include even his gifts, matter less and less. He says, you know, our spiritual gifts will become less important to us. Why? Because he's the important thing. And I think this next statement is true. He says, then we teach the same doctrine, speak the same words. The impact on others is very different. Manifesting itself in an increasing depth of the Spirit's work within them also. I think that's a very, very true statement. Two Christians could could stand up and say the exact same words. But if one of the ones speaking is just doing it maybe based on gifting, and the other one is speaking with a deep, personal, intimate knowledge of God, that person will have a great, much greater impact. People can tell the difference. You know, I, I've shared before, you know, that Charlie Jones told me one time that when my dad came to town and he spoke at a men's group he was at, Charlie said, I listened to him and I could see that what he said was real to him. And he said, I looked him up afterwards and he got me in the word and it changed my life. But what struck me was he said, I listened to your dad and I could tell it was real. Our message, God, yes, he wants us to proclaim the right message, but he wants it to be real. In your life, in my life. That's important to him. And as a loving father, he will not withhold at times the painful process it takes to bring us to that. But he'll go through it with us. Now he says, his relentless processing will discourage and baffle us if we simply want heaven when we die. And that's why a lot of Christians are, are discouraged and baffled. Because they got saved. Their focus is, you know, "Ah, I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm just going to make the best of it till then. And they're discouraged. In life, you know, they can't understand what's going on around them. He says, but, if we want what He wants... What does he want? He wants Christ to be formed in us. If we want what he wants, all that we are taken through, including the desert, will encourage us. Why? Because we know God is taking that and working it together for the good. And the good that he's working it towards is that we be conformed to the image of Christ. Again, first John and not first John Romans 8, eight twenty-eight and twenty-nine. So often it's quoted, you know, God works all things together for good, but then the rest of it's left out. For those who love him. And he goes on for, you know, talking about those who have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Everything we're going through is being used towards that end. And you might say, I don't know how what I'm going through right now could possibly lead towards that end. If it is bringing us more and more to the end of self and opening us up more and more to our understanding of the need of who we are in Christ, then that is how God is working that together towards that good of conforming us. He says, thus, we will continue. We'll hang in there. We'll continue forward because we know That he ever continues to work in and through us that which he began and finished on our behalf in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's continuing to use that work that he started and finished in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. he says, if our hearts are really true to him, we may be assured he will lead us on in the knowledge of himself just as fast as we are able to advance. I think that's that's something to think about. God is not taking the slowest approach he possibly can take with us. <laughs> he's moving us forward as fast as he as we can move. But he knows what that pace is. And as we saw in chapter 2, time is not a big issue to God. He's more concerned with the outcome than how long it takes. But it's not that he's he's trying to stretch it out. He wants to move us forward He says he knows how much we can take in and he does not fail to minister to us the very food that is suitable for our present need. And he says we may, we may sometimes feel inclined to be impatient with ourselves because we do not make more rapid progress. But we have to learn to trust the Lord with our spiritual education. I think most of us would like to be further along than we are. And he said we can become impatient and and that's where we can make the mistake of trying to make things happen. You know, I I don't measure up quite yet to some of the things that Scripture describes as a mature believer, so I try to produce it. And all that does is slow things down. Because I have to be taught again, not I But Christ. He says we can become impatient, but we have to learn we are God's workmanship. Trust Him with our spiritual uh, development. If our eyes are upon Him and we follow with simple hearts as He leads us, we shall Find that he leads us by a right way and brings us through all the exercises we need to form our souls in appreciation of himself and of those blessed things which are brought to pass in him. We have to trust his love all through and learn increasingly to distrust ourselves. He says, "You know, keep our eyes on Him and follow Him, just with simple hearts. We'll find He takes us on the right path. He knows what it's going to take to get us there, and He'll bring us there." That last sentence there: we have to trust learn. Uh, we have to trust His love all through, and learn increasingly to distrust ourselves. Very true. I told my students on many occasions, I'm scared to death of myself. I'm scared of what the self-life is capable of. And that's after being a Christian for 65 years. 66 now, I guess. Just turned 71. But, yeah. Yeah. 66 years, my fleshly nature hasn't changed any, and I'm, I, I totally distrust it. And I have to, at times, in making a decision, think, Okay, Lord, is this of the Spirit, or is this my flesh? Because if it's my flesh, it's going to lead me down a bad path. And so the final paragraph, he says, Paul writes to us as he did to Timothy, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who are able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Second tip. Timothy 2, 1 through 3, and he says, we rejoice with you as you continue in him. The Lord is faithful, who shall establish you. The Lord is at work in each of our lives, and I hope the principles we've learned in these 18 chapters will help encourage you. I encourage you to come out as we get into uh, the next section, and really begin I'll have two different props up there. One's position and one's condition. And learning the difference between our position and our condition and how our position is meant to change our condition over time. Uh, but we'll define those terms and hopefully they'll become pretty clear to you as, as we move forward. Any questions?